You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1070 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Tuesday evening into Wednesday. And thank you, as always, for joining us on the podcast today. If you missed it, on Monday, I talked about some mailbag questions, um, the return of Skylar Mays, and much more. And please subscribe to the podcast. By the way, if you're not already done that, on your podcast platform of choice, whether it be Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Facebook Podcasts is an option, Google Podcasts, etc., and uh, that very much helps the show, so thank you in advance for that. Today's podcast will be myself and Zach Hood of Peachtree Hoops. Zach took over for me as the editor-in-chief over there, and has been doing great work there for a long time um, alongside me, and now on his own with the great staff over there as well. And we'll talk about all kinds of stuff, because basically it's going to be something of a series that Zach and I will be doing. It won't be every single podcast between now and the start of training camp, but starting tonight, we'll have, you know, I think probably seven or eight uh, podcasts with some player capsules. Essentially, at the end of last season, I didn't have time really on the podcast to go into a full-blown season review mode the way that I normally would on the show. Uh, it, was, it was a good problem because the Hawks played into the playoffs for so long that once the season ended, we had like three weeks and then it was the draft. So I had to pivot quickly. And normally I would do an exhaustive season recap kind of episode by episode breakdown of players, etc., etc., as I have in the past. But now I'm basically going to combine that with a look ahead to next season in the future, player by player. So some probably some shorter capsule stuff, two per episode-ish. And uh, this podcast you're about to listen to is on Clickapella and Rakan Kongwu. And those two guys are, of course, uh, overlapping at center. Um, but... You know, we're basically going to try to have at least one prominent player on each one of these and then maybe some of the bench guys alongside them. But we're starting uh, a little bit higher here with Capella and Okongwu, two interesting guys on this podcast. And then that's the gist of it. So, you know, a couple uh, segments on each guy, uh, you know, past performance, future performance, projections, uh, you know, training camp battles, stuff to look for this season, etc. And then, of course, we'll sort of transition into um, preseason mode and training camp mode as we get closer to that date. And thanks in advance to Zach for joining me on a bunch of these, including the podcast that you are about to listen to. Okay, before we get to some talk about Clint Capella and Akongwu and much more about center stuff for the Hawks, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast, and the first of which is Sweatblock. There are a few things in life that just are not any fun to talk about, and one of them is excessive sweating. It's not fun for anyone to sweat through their shirt for no reason. I'm sure we've all dealt with this at some point in time, and while there are definitely bigger problems in the world, it can certainly feel like a big deal when it happens in the moment. And that's why you should check out Sweatblock and Iperspirant Wipes. Sweatblock is stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You can simply apply it at night before you go to bed, and then after you go to bed, the next morning you can wake up, wash, and go about your day without worrying at all about sweat. Guaranteed. Sweatblock is doctor-created and doctor-recommended. It works for up to seven days per use. There is also, by the way, a dry shirt guarantee, and if Sweatblock doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. It's manufactured in the USA. Sweatblock has a bestseller on Amazon and other places for the past decade. I know it might sound too good to be true, but it absolutely works. You can wear what you want to wear with confidence, and it really is an absolute must-have. 
If you or someone you know and love is dealing with this, you have to check out SweatBlock right now. Get it today for 20% off at SweatBlock.com with the promo code Locked On, or check it out at a CVS near you right now. One more time, that is promo code Locked On at SweatBlock.com for 20% off. Promo code Locked On at SweatBlock.com. Today's show is also brought to you by DirecTV. Tell me if this sounds familiar to you. You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite TV shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for all of the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment that you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like they've never been before. So you can watch your favorite shows, movies, and sports all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So you can get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That is directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. I am joined now by friend of the podcast, the editor, managing editor, uh, editor of the stars at Peace Street Hoops. What's your title now? What title are you taking, I suppose? I, I really don't know. Um, <laughs> they just kind of told me to get to work. You know, they didn't really, didn't really give me a title. I think you'll, I think I'll call you the managing editor for now because that's what I used to call myself. Uh, Zach Good is here. <laughs> welcome, welcome to the podcast again. You've been here many times before. It's been a little while. I try not to bug you. You're a busy man. Uh, I know, how, I know what it's like to run that website, and uh, even with a lot of help, it is busy. So I appreciate you doing all these with me. As I said in the intro, we're going to be doing a bunch of podcasts. Um, I think you'll be here for most of them, if not all of them, talking about players. And uh, we're going to dive into the big men today. So, um, you know, not like we have a massive agenda, but I want, I want to start with a Kong Wu and kind of talk about him a little bit. It's going to be interesting because he's, of course, injured. Um, for, for a recap, for people don't, that don't remember this, uh, the Hawks sent out a press release, which I know you received as well, on July 22nd. Um, following his labrum surgery. And they, in that press release, it says he will be out for approximately six months. Um, that means he's out until, at least if you go by the letter of the law there, until January 22nd, which is, you know, mid-season. The All-Star break is like mid-late February, and usually the All-Star break is uh, beyond the middle of the season. So at least a half season out, maybe longer than that, and I'm generally pretty... Uh, cautious uh, i wonder if you feel the same way like if i had to make you guess when he plays my guess would be over on late january but i wonder wh- how you feel before we dive in here yeah i mean i would agree i think you get um gorgie jing in free agency just for the reason of you know assuming capella and jing can stay relatively healthy there's not going to be any pressure on a Kongu to rush back into the lineup and even if there were i, I don't think there's any scenario where they like rush him back off the injury they've been really cautious with guys like reddish and hunter uh coming off these things so i think um yeah i would i would almost guess like february if i had to really just like guess an exact time but i mean i don't really try to get into like injury <laughs> it, timelines like it, 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 just... it is definitely a guess no, there's no question about that it's definitely a guess on, on everyone's part and by the way including theirs i mean they have the Timetable projection, which is like probably a standard one for the surgery that he had. But like you said, they've been cautious. You know, the Hunter thing was weird last year and sort of the false starts there. And I tend to think uh, on the same wavelength that they're not going to be uh, super aggressive with him. But if he's healthy, he's healthy and he'll get back in there and play. But um, 
obviously sort of cast a shadow over next season. You know, this is sort of a dual review slash preview of these players. And um, Okongwu was a weird one because we can talk about what he did last year, but um, a lot of that was like during the playoffs. He didn't have this massive role in the regular season because he was injured for a while and then was also a rookie. And then looking ahead, it's more of a future projection because this year is a little bit clouded. So um, I guess I'll ask you to start in terms of his actual play. What did you make of his rookie season? You know, he had the, again, sort of a false start of being injured over the summer and didn't quite get integrated until later on. But once he got going, the reviews in the playoffs were uh, were pretty strong. Even if he, he actually played, I think, nine minutes per game. It felt like more than that in the playoffs, but there were moments where he was pretty darn awesome. So what did you sort of take away from his first season? Yeah, regular season, obviously, um, you know, only played 50 games, average of 12 minutes a game. I, I really thought um, – I mean, he, he struggled a little bit, especially really early, but I, mean, I don't think that was anything, like, newsworthy. I mean, a rookie coming in with no summer league, off an injury. Um, but in the playoffs, you know, he was – Pretty solid on defense. I mean, especially in a couple of those matchups with Embiid and Giannis, there were nights where he looked like, you know, maybe the best guy to guard those guys. Um, obviously, Capella ended up bouncing back and having a pretty good series in both those series. But I think there were games where, you know, Capella was just tired from being the anchor all season and you know, on top of playing what your 90, 85th, 90th game of the season, whatever it was, uh, or may have been against Philly or the Bucks, you're also playing against an MVP or an MVP candidate in the case of Giannis and Embiid. So I think Okongwu being fresh and, you know, have only only haven't played, you know, a thousand or you know, probably not even uh, 600 minutes in the regular season. I think he was able to utilize that in his youth and, just kind of be like really energetic when Embiid or Giannis was tired and just kind of be a nuisance. And um, I think, you know, people should be encouraged. I I think he was showed a lot of touch on the offensive end. And obviously, you know, defense is kind of what put him in the lottery last year. So I think it would be nice going forward as kind of a preview. I mean, he only took three, three pointers this year. Um, Obviously, his injury is a shoulder injury, so I, I don't know how much he'll be able to, to shoot how soon, but it would be nice if he could come back with a little more range because, um, you know, he's not he's not very big for a center. He's only 6'8", so I think the, sh- the, sh- the shooting and the touch continuing to improve that will be a, a pretty big part of him um, becoming like a, a really good starter at some point. Yeah, I think that, you know, you mentioned it, but the defense is sort of the headliner with the Kongwu. I know he's not a seven-footer, but he's sort of that modern, you know, do-everything defending big man, and I think he showed a lot of that, like you said, in the playoffs. Um, I believe in that. I think his ceiling defensively is very, very high. It may not be, like, defensive player of the year high, but it's, uh, you know, very, very, very good, and we saw that. Um, offensively, we can be honest and say that he's not – particularly awesome right now um, he has some strengths that I think he'll build on like his finishing around the rim is pretty good he's got good touch with sort of that floater stuff around the rim he can dunk and get up for lobs and all that stuff but offensively he was a little bit passive a little bit lost at times in a way that rookies often are and I think that um, you said it but like his shooting is a swing skill it's not one that he absolutely has to have 
But I think at some point, you know, it's going back even to draft night, Travis like talked about this, they want him to be able to shoot. Um, now, what that actually means, we'll see. But, you know, John Collins is a guy who didn't shoot threes and really didn't shoot a lot of jump shots in college. And you can't project that kind of growth because Collins is sort of, uh, you know, outlier good in that trajectory. But that's an example fairly recently of a Hawks first-round pick, big man of similar size, that kind of developed that. Um, Collins, I think, has outlier good, good touch, whereas Okongwu, I think, just has good touch right now, so I can't expect that. But whether it's next year, because, like you said, it's hard to rehab and it's hard to work on your jumper when you have a labrum injury. But I think long-term, um, there are several things that we want to definitely note, but that is one that might uh, impact his overall ceiling offensively, because I think I do, and you can disagree with me if you want to, but I, I, I trust him as a pick-and-roll man moving forward offensively. Like, right now, he's not quite there because, again, he was a 20-year-old, 19-year-old rookie last year on a good team. But I think he's going to be a solid offensive player. Um, but what could take him from solid to better than that is just kind of varying his approach, you know, being a better passer, and then ultimately, I think, being a better shooter. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I think maybe, you know, it's not the rookie year you want to see from the number six overall pick, but I think just considering – you know, where the Hawks were as a team kind of ascending into, you know, another tier or, you know, they really jumped tiers. They went from the sixth pick to game six of the East finals. So they jumped like three tiers in the Eastern conference. It really wasn't, you know, Oh, let's just throw a rookie out there for, you know, 1800, 1200 minutes and just, you know, live with it. Even if he was healthy the whole season, I don't know how much more he really would have played. So I think projecting into the next season, I mean, obviously it's it sucks that, you know, he's going to miss, you know, maybe half the season or so. Um, but going into those that second half of the season, I think it would be fair to expect, you know, a jump from his 12 minutes a game to maybe just 20 or something. I think he earned um, – he earned, like – I think if – I mean, I don't know. I'll ask you this. Do you think if he wouldn't have got hurt, would they have signed a $4 million center? I mean, I guess they still probably I mean, something. I but... think that they probably could have, but it went from a situation where I expected them to sign someone in the front court because we kind of all thought Bruno would be gone, whether it be trade or just a, you know even release. So once you did that, they were going to bring somebody in. But I, I wonder if Jang would have wanted to come to the Hawks if Okongwu was healthy, just because they're, I mean, if that's his only option, that's his only option, but guys would like to play. And I think that one of the reasons that they were able to get Jang, who I thought was probably the best possible option, or at least one of the best options for that role, is that there was a clear role for him. Like he signs, it's some real money, it's, you know, it's $4 million, but um, there's an obvious path for him to play, at least for the first half of the season, whereas if you're Gorgie Jang and all things are equal, you may want to play. And if, if a Congo was back, you throw in Collins at the five sum. And then of course, Capella, like there wasn't a huge role there. It's kind of the same thing. People ask me about Paul Millsap. Now it's like, yeah, it'd be great to have Paul Millsap, but is he, is he going to play? Like, is there a role there? Um, so no, I mean, I think long story, like they probably don't invest quite as much. They would have signed. Like I was thrown around like Bismarck Biombo as like, the breaking class, breaking case emergency kind of backup center type that they could have done there. I mean, you mentioned 20 minutes, though. I'm, I wonder, this is kind of a weird one because I got asked this too even before he got, before the injury came to light, but 
I don't know how much he will play even when back and healthy. And not to say that he won't play, because he's going to play, but, like, is Capella just going to play less? Because that's that's one of the things about this is that I don't I don't think, and maybe you feel differently, I think those guys can't really play together. So if you take a Congo and make him 18 to 20 minutes, that means Capella has to go down to 28 to 30 minutes, which is not the worst thing in the world in the regular season, but is that kind of what you see happening uh, eventually? Again, this is we're all, we're all assuming health for a Kongwu, but is that kind of your thought process there? Because I can't see him playing really any at the four with what they've said and what I've seen. Yeah, no, I don't think he'll play any four. I mean, barring like someone like John Collins fouling out or something. I mean, I don't really – he'll never play the four, in my opinion, other than – if they're trying to match some crazy gigantic Boban and Porzingis lineup, <laughs> and like somewhere they're just getting killed by someone or something. Yeah, um, but, but you know, it's like one of those popular yeah. things because he's because he's that size. People are always wondering if he can play the four, and it's like it's not that he absolutely can't, but the Hawks don't have a center where it would make any sense. I mean, if you're, I mean, you you could. I think the closest thing you'll see to a Kongwu play in the four is him playing next to Collins, and Collins just happening to match up with the center better for some reason. I yeah, I mean, what, I don't know what it's that not that he can't is, play the four but, necessarily, but we we both have um, Collins and a Congo out there. I don't. They can kind of both do four and five like things, like sure. especially if a Congo gets the jumper a little more. But I mean, you would still look at him as the center in that lineup. It just might be that you know Collins ends up guarding Sabonis or something, and they put a Congo on TJ Warren or something. I, I don't know. Like he, just be he, he technically played the four. In like garbage time last year when he was playing with Bruno, but like that was like just to get those guys on the floor. Like there was no competitive minutes last year where he was playing the four. And I think I understand people will always look at him and see a guy who's six eight six nine and say he's not a center. But the Hawks think he's a center. He he's he's a center. And the thing is, if Capella was like you know Miles Turner or like Porzingis, who you just mentioned, like maybe. But Capella is like not a guy that you want to play a guy like a Kongwu next to uh, it's just not a thing that you're going to do so long story short I'm getting, I guess back to the question like do you just think he might eat into Capella's minutes because Capella as we'll get into later on this podcast was like clearly their anchor and awesome last year so it's like kind of a mixed bag on whether you want to take him off the floor at all yeah no I mean I need to what Capella played I want to see how much he played last year looking at minutes I will say this while you look, because Capel played more than he I played, thought he was going to play last year. He played 30.1 minutes per game last year. So if a Kongwu played all of. If right. they played a, if they played a center, <laughs> That's 18. If they played a center all 48 minutes, then a Kongwu could get 18 minutes. Now they might not do that. They might. I, I think they play. won't. I mean, you still you yeah. still have Collins, and like part of. part. I'm not saying all, but part of the appeal of John Collins is that you could play small ball five minutes with him. It, it, it might be five per game. It may not be a ton, but I don't think that it's going to be. At least every night, you're not going to see Capella or Kongwu for all 48. I don't think. Maybe you will. On a pure average, I think like maybe 14 to 15 is more reasonable for minutes for a Kongwu. Uh, I think there will be games when he plays 20 or 25 minutes. Um, well, and also, I, I, I fall into this trap too, but I just was thinking while we're talking. Um, we'll get into Capella later, of course, but there might be 10, 15 games where Capella's not playing. And that also lets you get into, you know, nights where you play 30 minutes a game if you're a Kong right. on the bench. And that can, that can sort of swing your minute total. Like, guys who don't play all 82 games, 
it doesn't have to add up perfectly to 48 just because there might be a game or two. Same thing with Gallinari when he sits versus Collins and all that stuff. We'll get into that later on. But it's um, Capella is not always the most durable guy in the world as well. I know Hong was currently out right now, but if he was back in like March and April, you could see a back-to-back where he might start one of those games and give Capella the night off. That kind of stuff can happen too. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it will it'll have to happen. I mean, they're back to 82 games this year, and Capella's never played more than 77 games, and that was his second year, and he, only, he was only a 19-minute-per-game player then. So since Capella's became a starter, he's never played more than 74 games. And then last year, obviously, it's a 72-game season. He played 63 games, which is – I think that's about as much as you can ask is that Capella plays 85 or 90% of the games. I mean, I – Oh yeah, that'd be a great, honestly be a great outcome. We can talk about that too for sure, but it's like, he's not going to play 79 games, I don't think. I mean, for both health reasons and just like maintenance reasons, uh, Capella's not old by any stretch, but uh, he's a guy who has had little things and then of course missed all that time when he got to Atlanta and even last year was on the injury report a lot. Like he ended up playing most of the time, but lots of like Achilles sorenesses and little stuff that he was dealing with throughout the season. So, uh, unfortunately, early in the year, you're not going to have a Kongwood to do that. I mean, you have Gorgie Jang, that definitely helps. But um, I, I do think that they might, you know, it matters that Kongwood was the number six pick in the draft. I mean, I want to ask you at the end of this kind of what you think now versus what you thought a year ago. But regardless of all of that, um, when a Kongwood comes back, this is a team that's trying to win every night, don't get me wrong, but they probably do want to see him. Um, just objectively play a lot because it impacts future decisions. Like Capella is really, really good and under contract, but you don't draft a guy at number six overall with the plan to have him be your backup center for for four years. That's not really what you do in theory. Now, that might end up being the case, but they're going to want to see him as much as they reasonably can, I would imagine. It's honestly tough. I mean, I don't think the Hawks thought Capella was obviously going to have that kind of a season when they drafted him. So... Maybe yep. they maybe maybe <laughs> yeah, maybe that when they drafted a convo, maybe that doesn't change anything as far as you know, they thought a capella was gonna be pretty pretty dang good and okay, you know, we got more than we thought, but I don't know. I mean if Capella keeps playing well, he's only twenty six. He'll hit free agency at what, twenty seven, twenty eight? Yeah, he's got two more. So two, so he'll be twenty eight when he hits free agency. I mean, I don't know. I mean if he's if he's still playing near the same clip. I don't know. I mean, it's too hard to project what they'll do at two years from now, but it's it's really hard. Like I get asked all the time, and I have to give this just, hedging answer because you don't you don't know. But you know, especially national people are always like, "Well, are they going to trade Capella at some point?" And I, I don't I don't know because last year Capella was their second best player. I mean, their second most valuable player to me. I said that a lot, and you know, Akongwu clearly they want to be the center of the future. You draft that guy in a lot, like you know, in the mid lottery. You're hoping that, but like, there's no argument that he's better right now. Like, no one says that. So it's like, it's really interesting. This is a huge year, and that's why another reason why it's so unfortunate that he's gonna be out for a while because they kind of needed the information this year, and they're not gonna get as much. Yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't see a. I could see an Akongwu trade before a Capella trade. I, I was... mean, right, right now, yeah, just be, just because of where they are. Like, they made the Final Four last year. I mean, we've we've said it a lot, but Capella was a big, big reason why they were able to make that run they made. Both. I know this is one this is one thing you want to talk about is, you know, Capella's offense. I guess if there's a point where a Kongwu kinda unlocks himself offensively, then they could talk themselves into like 
okay, he gives us so much more around the basket, so much more in the spot up, whether it be a three-pointer or just, you know, a, a mid-range shot. I mean, I guess there's a certain point where they could talk themselves into it, but, I mean, you, ha- you can't just assume he's going to get there, like we said earlier. I mean, he needs – No. You got to actually see that before you start running off, like, what, top – 40, 50 players. I mean, until Capella is otherwise. Yeah, I think Capella like, was the top 50 guy in the league last year, and that may not happen again, but he, he did it. And, uh, you know, he's still on the team and still in an age where you don't, like, forecast too much regression there. So, um, I mean, before we get into to Capella full full sale here on the podcast uh, today, I want to just end sort of on, on Kongwu with – I sort of teased it, but do you th- – feel any differently better or worse about a Kongwu now versus a year ago? I mean, I know, I kind of know where you were on him as a prospect, but did anything change in your mind? Do you feel worse, better or the same a year later? I'd say I feel, I feel worse about him reaching his ceiling in Atlanta, but that's half because, or more than half, maybe because of how good Capella played. I think that his biggest obstacle, like we just said to being like, um, to panning out as a number six overall pick starting caliber NBA player is the fact that, you know, there's a top seven or eight center in the game, depending on who you talk to in front of him. So, and then as far as just as purely as a prospect, uh, if you told me he was going to be hurt to start his career, I mean, obviously that's not good. That's a little bit of a negative. Um I don't know, just as a overall as a prospect, I, I honestly thought some of the stuff in the playoffs was encouraging. Um so I'll say aside from the injuries, I feel just as good about him. But the fact that he has had the injuries, I'll say I'm a little bit lower than I was overall. Yeah, I think that's kinda what I feel too. I mean, I think I'm probably I was already very high on him. You know, I liked the pick more than most did, even though, you know, <laughs> People wanted Halliburton. There was the whole like midseason thing where it's like, oh, I cannot believe they passed on Tyrese Halliburton. And I kind of never thought that. Like I've always kind of believed in the Kongwu. I think he's really good. Um, you know, having another injury is not the best. I, I'm not someone who likes to attach the injury prone label, and I won't do it here. But this is two seasons now where he was banged up for a while last year, and he's going to miss half this season. And he isn't. He's is, he's is a smaller guy at center, which doesn't really worry me. But uh, it's hard to be durable and all that stuff. So. But I also think that in the playoffs in particular, he was pretty darn good, especially for a 20-year-old playing at the highest level of the, of the sport. So it's kind of mixed, but I kind of feel the same, which is high. I mean, that's not a bad thing. Um, I would say a lot of Hawks fans went through sort of a roller coaster with him where I was getting a lot of bust stuff in my in my uh, Twitter mentions during the, during the season. And then the playoffs, it was like future superstar. And, you know, I get it, highs and lows and all that, but I kind of feel... I would say close to the same, which is a good thing, I think, overall. Um, Before we get into uh, Capella and wrap up this podcast, a word from our sponsors on today's show, and the first of which is Built Bar. With Built Bar, there are so many delicious flavors that there's always something for everyone, and honestly, it's difficult to pick just one. If you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're always passionate about their favorites, but for me, I have more than one, quite frankly. If you don't know all the Built Bar flavors at this point in time, you're absolutely missing out. They have coconut, they have cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, German chocolate, and my personal favorite has to be cookies and cream. It's been that way for a long time, but even with my affection for cookies and cream, there are other options that are 
honestly just about as good and really they're fantastic for everyone that enjoys Built Bar. In addition to being extremely tasty and Built Bar is extremely tasty, they're also very, very healthy. They have 17 to 18 grams of protein. The calorie range is 130 to 180. They only have four or five grams of sugar and they only have four or five grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors all the way across the board. They're all tasty and they're all healthy. If you order today, they get the grass popper cookie or the raspberry or whatever you like. And if you go to built.com and use the promo code locked on, you're 15% off your order with Built Bar. Use the promo code locked on, 15% off at built.com. Basketball is always the centerpiece of this podcast, but it's that time of the year again, and all eyes are turning to football as teams across the country are getting back on the gridiron to start the 2021 season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the professional and college football action this season. You can get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor contest open now at BetOnline.ag. Head to the website immediately or use your mobile device sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus with the site. Be sure to take full advantage of the opening day Super Promo. If you make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys, if you lose, your wage will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when you sign up and use the promo code NFL100. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports action. In addition to football and basketball, they have baseball and golf, tennis, MMA, boxing, auto racing, everything that you're looking for, you can find it all in one place at betonline.ag. Don't wait. Take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Zach, uh, let's talk about Capella some more. We talked about his offense. I want to just give you the numbers real quick. Capella's not like a huge numbers guy, you would say, but this is a guy who averaged 15.2 points, 14.3 rebounds to lead the NBA last year, and two full blocks. That was a career high in rebounds a career high in blocks, and his second high in points scored. He actually wasn't as efficient as he was in his prime in uh, in Houston, but everything else basically was a career best. You know, he led the entire league in offensive rebound rate, defensive rebound rate, and total rebound rate, which is, like, really hard to do across the board. Um, so, you know, everyone knows this. I have kind of been praising Capella for a long time. Even you and I on this podcast have talked about Capella already being awesome last year but even you know the team itself they were just their best self when he was playing I think he had like a it was like a plus seven net rating when he was on the floor including a 108 defensive rating and that's like top five in the league quality when he left the floor uh, things got worse uh, a lot on defense even when Kongwu was back and ready to go it's still not the same as Capella so long story short he was awesome uh, I guess the broadest way to get into this is to ask you if it's repeatable for a guy who um, is now 27 and obviously that was a career year, which is like kind of hard to project repeating, but also he's also, he's also been good for basically five years now. So there's that on his side. I mean, I think he could definitely do it again. I don't, I think the most impressive part of it was that he held up physically and despite so much being asked of him. So I think that the defense and the health, I mean, kind of like you asked, I think I think really just his availability is hard to predict. But I think while he's out there, if he feels good, I mean, he, he might even get better. I mean, like he's only 27 and he's going to have more chemistry uh, with his teammates. I don't know. I think I think part of his career season could just be the difference in playing in Houston and playing in Atlanta. I'm not saying – 
you know, Houston was a better team, but I think Atlanta needed him a little bit more than Houston because Houston kind of had that grit with P.J. Tucker and they would close without Capella sometimes. So I think also he was kind of a young guy compared to in Atlanta, you know, he's like the guy that has the most experience in the playoffs this year. So I think he was kind of empowered to be the best he's ever been in his career. And I think he'll have a chance to do that again for sure. Yeah, I like the way they managed him for the most part. You know, he played, like we said earlier, 30 minutes a game. That's a good number for him. Uh, he averaged more than that in Houston in the last two years that he was there. Um, that seemed to work, even though he had some banged-up injury stuff. He was able to be relatively durable. And I do think with 82 games, he won't be the only guy. We'll have to talk about this with, with Gallinari in particular. But I think they would be wise to you know, kind of almost plan to give him a few nights off in addition to any injury stuff, you might want to have some back-to-back rests for Capella um, as the season goes along. But, you know, he was really durable. The offense was interesting to me. Like, he, after four straight years of shooting um, 63% or higher, he fell to sub-60% from the floor, which is like, you're nitpicking, that's still really good. But on his shot diet, that's not fantastic. And he also had a career high in field goal attempts. So I think he got, he got actually got a little bit... A little bit almost too aggressive with his, like, hook shot game. Uh, there were definitely some moments where it was kind of frustrating to watch Clint try to, like, operate in the post where there is an argument for just rewarding a guy like that who is, you know, carrying your defense and making sure that he's happy and well-fed offensively. But there's a happy medium in there, too. So I think offensively he might have even been a little bit worse than I thought he was going to be. But defensively he was much better and more valuable overall. So the net, the net um, sort of overall value was... Uh, quite a bit higher in my view particularly when you factor in the injury like people have almost forgotten this he played 39 games the previous season and didn't play for a long time and then to come back basically arrive as the season started and then you know be full go and be you know not awesome from moment one but he rounded into four quickly and was like good from there the offense is like the part that I quote-unquote worry about but if that's your biggest concern like it's fine. <laughs> uh, they have other guys to score. They have plenty of offensive firepower on this team, and if he can just anchor the defense again, I, I can't overstate it. Like when, they, when he played, they were good. When he played with Collins, they were great defensively. And then you, if you throw in DeAndre Hunter, who's their starting small forward coming back this year, those three guys defensively were like lights out, like elite defensively together. So it's a small sample size, but it really was as simple as, is Capella playing? If the answer is yes, that means the Hawks are, getting, are able to get some stops. And if he wasn't, they kind of weren't. So maybe that's not great to be as reliant on him as they were defensively. But as long as he's there, he uh, makes them just different. Like he's the number one by a mile reason why they were much better defensively last year. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think that's that's what made the – I feel like, you know, they were hedging their bet when they took a Kongu. They wanted to have – a great defensive center, and then Capella goes out, and you know, like you said, he's—I don't know—the fourth, fifth best defensive center in the league. I, I, mean, I, I think I, I mean I said it. I would have had him number two on my on my defensive player of the year list, which I know is a little bit high, but given what he was asked to do and what he was able to do, I, I would have had him like really, really high. And you mentioned like it being kind of a hedge, the Akonwu pick. I think it was best player available more than anything, but like. 
it is worth saying. We've said it a couple times now in a different roundabout way, but this we'll say it directly. The Hawks couldn't have possibly known what they were going to have in Capella. Like, like they knew what he what he was in Houston, but people have kind of forgotten this again. But he had, he didn't play basketball in a game for like 10, 11 months. Like he didn't play for a long time. There was lots of uncertainty about what he was going to be able to do. No one thought he'd be bad, but the fact that he was able to be relatively healthy and play the best he's ever played. That seemed like a unlikely scenario, at least relatively so, that combination. It's obviously great for the Hawks, but I don't think anybody, even the biggest Capella fan, was like, okay, Capella's going to lead the league in rebounding and also be like a legitimate defensive player of the year candidate. Like, no one really had that, I don't think, last year. No, and I think, I mean, it's hard to imagine Schlink not liking Halliburton. I think they just couldn't take him. I mean, you have, it's hard enough. I mean, I don't know how you develop Halliburton if you have Herder, Bogdanovich, Reddish, Hunter, I mean, obviously Trey. Um, I think, you know, if if they knew Capel, if Capel, they knew they had like a really good center and they didn't have so many wings, I think it could have, the pick could have been different. But maybe they were just like that super sky high on a Kongu and you know, maybe it'll still work out. But I, I think. I don't know. I mean, you don't plan for your number six overall pick to be on the bench, but I mean, if Capella just kind of plateaus this kind of play and just kind of, you know, maybe even just barely declines for the next three or four years, it's going to be hard to to run him off. So I think <laughs> yeah. it, it might just end up being where like a Kongwu doesn't start until his fourth season and his second contract is kind of a bargain because nobody knows what he can do in a 30-minute role. And in that case, that's not great for a Kongwu. But if the team is really, really good, you know, he might not hate it. So, Yeah, no, that's really interesting because, you know, two, three years from now, it gets funny. But, you know, Capella's under contract for two, for two more seasons, but he's extension eligible. Um, like, he could, they could give him an extension, but they're not going to probably do that with a Kongwu waiting in the wings. Um, so I don't know. It's, I think a lot of people, myself included, at least entertain the thought that, you know, when they draft a Kongwu, it's like, all right, maybe Capella can take us the next year or two. And then it's a natural trade to hand the baton to a Kongwu and that could still happen. But like we just said, a nauseam Capella being better than advertised and the team being awesome. Like it's really hard. Like for instance, I thought there was a chance a year ago that, that Capella would be traded this offseason because of what we just talked about. Once he was that good and once they made the run to the Final Four, no one thought that he would even entertain the fact that he, be, that he would be traded because that just wasn't going to happen. Um, but a year from now, like, would it stun me if Capella was, was, on the, was not on the team? No, because Akongwu is supposed to be the guy for the future and maybe you can sell high on Capella and all that stuff. Regardless, I, I think to sort of wrap this this podcast up in terms of uh, this, they won't all be position specific, but these two guys are obviously so linked together that we end up doing a lot of crossover here. But I feel pretty darn good. I think Hawks fans should be feeling pretty great about center right now. I mean, obviously early in the year you'll have Gorgie Jang who will have his own podcast like this, but that's a very competent backup center. And when he becomes your third center, like that's like obviously fantastic. And then you have and then you have Collins as like your alternate option. Um, not many teams in the league have better center rotations than the Hawks are going to have. I mean, you have teams like Denver and Philadelphia and maybe Utah, 
but like beyond like the actual stars uh doesn't get much better than what the hawks have at center yeah the nets have pretty good center when you can just have lopez and then slide Giannis there whenever you feel like it. You, you, you mean you mean the bucks you said the nets come on zach i said the nets you did you're always oh, thinking about the yeah. Nets. I know, I know, I know that your brain, your closet, you're a closet, ne- you're a closet Nets fan at this point. I know you love the Nets. I'm just kidding, uh, but no, uh, I agree. Yeah, if you if you factor in Giannis in center, then the, the Bucks have uh, some intrigue there. But you know, you know what I mean. Like I, I think conservatively top five or six, if you take into account the entire center group, the Hawks should be on that list. Like Capella's oh, really yeah, good. Definitely. Like we're really high on him for sure. But also, I think just even if you're like more middling on Capella, you throw in. Kongwu as a number six pick who's super talented, and then Gorgie Jang is your third guy plus a little bit of Collins sprinkled in. That's that's pretty awesome at center. Yeah, no, they're set up at center for sure. And I mean, even Gallo, if you really wanted to stretch it, I mean, he, he played some center last year. I think it was uh, it was very little, but he did play some center. So yeah, they could do that if they wanted to. And Nikola Vucevic stopper in Orlando. Never forget. Oh my god, I kind of forgot about that. So that was like the name. That was like the name McMillan either first or second game where they just didn't miss a three unless it's the fourth quarter or something. They had a few games like that where they didn't, they didn't miss any threes last year. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's – uh, They had the quarter where they made 11 in a row, right? Uh, featuring Gallinari prominently. Um, I was there for that one. That was a wild one. Uh, at any rate, Zach, we can close up this uh, sort of first installment of the center preview unless you have preview slash review slash capsule unless you have any more to add, uh, please tell people where they can find your stuff. Obviously we talked about your work at Peachtree Hoops, but um, plug anything that you would like, my friend. Yeah, I really appreciate you having me on. Uh, you guys obviously check out Peachtree Hoops. And then my personal account is at Zhood underscore. Um, a lot of hawk stuff. Got about, I don't know, what is it now? Like four weeks until training camp. So... Yeah, I mean, as, as we're talking, we're four weeks from yesterday, from media day. So, yeah. yeah. So, got to grind, grind out these four weeks. Uh, might be a slow four weeks unless we get some sort of uh, a certain wing gets traded from the Hawks, but we'll see. Might get an extension for Kevin Herter, but we can talk about that. Uh, or or Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons trade rumors. Fire up, fire up, yeah. mill. What's coming? I don't, I don't think he wants to come to Atlanta. Nor do um, I think they, they want him terribly badly either. So, my hot take is that Ben Simmons doesn't want to come to Atlanta when he already listed the California teams <laughs> and the Wolves. Uh, all right. Well, thank you, Zach, for joining me on the pod. We'll come back and do more of these in the near future over the next four or five weeks or so. But please follow Zach's work, follow Peachtree Hoops, subscribe to this podcast, follow me if you'd like to at BT Roland, and we'll see you all next time.